you've tapped or clicked in to College Volleyball Weekly on Viral Volley Media. Now here's your host, Rob on Mike. Good day, everyone, and welcome to week two of College Volleyball Weekly Men's Top 15-ish uh, volleyball update. We are here with Jay Hosick of George Mason, Theo Edwards of Cal State Northridge, Dan Friend of Lewis, and Brad Rostrader of UC San Diego, who recently visited each other's uh, last two, but we'll talk about it in a little bit. So, guys, uh, week two did not disappoint. Um, were one of two matches that grabbed your attention during the week and let's start with uh our two that we uh mentioned last uh, we'll start with brad yeah i mean to me i mean the the big one was seeing uh and ball state get back together get back to plan and um i see uh just really be so dominant offensively um hitting over 400 both nights was impressive to see and a testament to their setting their offense their passing everything they're doing and they brought a ton of pressure from the service line um, a ton of aces. Uh, Mucleus finished night two with six aces. So really impressive performance there uh, with a lot of emotion with the banner unveiling. Sounds good. How about you, Dan? Well, I thought the Stanford and Santa Barbara, uh, I think uh, ultimately the one was a sweep for Stanford and the other one went five. But uh, I think we're seeing a little bit of Theo Snowy. He's a freshman, so he's a pretty talented kid. And so, um, uh, but I think those were two good matches and Rotman took like 60 swings with 20 some kills on the one night you know what i mean in terms of that so hopefully that guy's got a, a bionic arm for a while this year you know what i mean in terms of that. so uh but that's a good match so all right let's jump to uh theo edwards two match yeah. one to two matches for sure i think i think i i choose two and uh both you know i think njit played three matches this week uh i think they won one and lost two and the two that they lost were to mckendry and lindenwood um thought those were both some really interesting matchups and um you know obviously uh Lyndon would play great so did McKendry and um uh, you know I think NJIT is a great team I think they uh they have a ton of talent uh, but it'd be interesting to see how the season goes and a couple of upsets there and um you know it'd be interesting to see how next week goes for them and how they bounce back yep over to Jay Hosick you know, I'm going to I'm going to comment on on one of our matches and then the other match that was in our gym, and that's uh, Ohio State and Grand Canyon. So, you know, Grand Canyon and Ohio State came into our gym this weekend. We played Grand Canyon on uh, on Friday and uh, the the trio of Hickman, Janky and Slight, you know, they just did phenomenal things against us. And granted, it was our first match of the year and their fifth, but they're already humming at a pretty good clip. Hickman hit 471 against us. Janky hit 526 uh, and slight set the whole team at 478. And, you know, you, you could slice that any way you want, regardless. Those are still really good performances. But the next night against Ohio State, it went five and Hickman hit 313. Janky hit 375 and slight set the whole team to 326. And so, you know, slight's doing a nice job dishing out the rock and they're running a really fast offense. And I know that Gianni is not in the lineup right now, but my, understanding is when he gets healthy uh he's going to get back out on the right side and they're going to be a team that i i don't think it's necessarily an underdog but they're going to be a team that if you're not paying attention to them they're going to be playing late in the year they're pretty good yeah 
Well, you know, uh, a few items happened this week. Uh, the unveiling of the 2022 National Championship banner at, I love this long name, Simplify Arena at the Stan Sheriff Center. And uh, there's some great pictures of Elio Choi and Makua Morimoto up in the rafters dropping that second banner. The 2021 banner was by Colton Cowell up there in the rafters, but a big piece of news for Hawaii and another, another national championship. And we're jumping to Jake. We're going to jump piggyback onto that, but Grand Canyon, hot team in the desert. They're doing it without Camden Gianni. They're doing it with uh, Christian Jenke and Jackson Hickman. But what's been the key to success for this team without their big guy? And we'll start with you, Theo. Yeah, it seems to me, uh, similar to what Jay's talking about, the speed of the offense, um, they're doing a tremendous job. And, you know, I obviously don't know exactly what's going on with Camden. And, you know, it, it's always a bummer to not see a player of that caliber out there on the floor uh, just because he's so talented. And obviously, when he eventually gets back, I mean, that team only gets better. Uh, but their setter's doing a tremendous job. Their, their offense, just in watching it on video, is incredibly fast. And, um, and can be incredibly lethal. They do a good job of, of protecting the ball. So, yeah, I think they're still an exciting team with or without him. Uh, and obviously they get deadlier once he's back in, in the lineup. Jump over to Dan of Lewis. I'm not surprised. I think you got uh, some guys there on that team, even without Camden, that have been in the gym for a while. And on top of all the things that, that Jay and Theo say in terms of offense and speed, and Worley's been there now, what, six, seven years, give or take. I mean, I think – He's got his pieces where he want them and how they're playing. So I think they're poised to be in a pretty good spot and do some really nice things and exciting team to watch when you go fast. Plus they got some live arms and some jumpers. So I think they bring a ton of serving pressure and the guys get on the ball fast and uh, exciting type of volleyball. And that's on top of having a new baby too. So a lot of transition in the Worley household. Let's go over to uh, Jay Hossick. You know, not only are they, you know, have live arms, they keep themselves in system an awful lot, uh, whether on defense or in serve receive. Their their first contact is really good. And slight's kind of crafty. You know, if you, if you like watching setters that are not necessarily conventional, you know, and, and I think people that know volleyball understand what I'm talking about when I say there's a conventional setter and then there's a crafty setter. He's crafty. You know, he goes up and you think he's dumping, he's setting sideways and he's doing all these crazy falls and he's setting these balls. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. You know, if you want to watch a fun team play, these guys are really good. They're, they're just, they're just a fun group. And, and Dan's right. They're, they're older team. They're one of the, the last teams that's probably reaping some of the benefits from the COVID year and all those things. But yeah, that's cool. I, I can't wait to see them play. UCLA and I can't wait to see them play Hawaii and I can't wait to see them play, you know, some of the other bigger teams. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch them in Stanford. That's going to be such a blast. Yep. Let's close out with uh, Brad on this topic. Yeah. I think uh unsung hero is one of their new guys, the transfer middle Rico Wardlow from Purdue Fort Wayne. He, uh, one of the nights this past weekend went nine for nine, um, big physical middle. And even one of the, I think the five set match, they didn't set him very much. He only got about six attempts, but a good piece for them to add and kind of add a little bit of balance to that offense, because obviously those pins are, are lights out. Rob, you're muted. There we go. That's a pro podcast right there. Uh, <laughs> yep. High production quality and everything and skill too. Uh, one of the other teams that's hot that, uh, Everyone expected 
but are doing it with an unlikely personnel is someone that's out of the EIBA. And sorry, Jay, it's Penn State University. And they're doing it all without putting their main guys on the court at the same time. We're talking about Cal Fisher, Brett Wildman, and uh, Sam Marsh or Mike Marsh. Um, I know that uh, Cole Bogner's been playing, Toby Azionu, but you know these guys all haven't been on the court at the same time. How are, how is Coach Pab getting this done? We'll start with uh, we're going to finish up with Jay, but we're going to start with uh, Dan on this one. Well, there's they've got a talented roster for one. So even though they may not have their big guns, uh, Mike Valencia had a nice match against Damon, and that's Damon coming off a win from Princeton. Cole Bogner's still running the show, and that guy's been around for a while. And so uh, it's like I mean they've got a talented core for sure, but even though they go a little bit deep into their bench and. Um, and I think the teams outside of Ohio State, the teams they played are good teams, but not great teams yet. So and that's not to be negative. It's like, but it'll be interesting to see this weekend. They step in and they play Pepperdine and Stanford. And if they don't have those guys, I think we're having a different conversation. Um, and so they could prove me wrong, but I'm going to see them live when I'm there. And so hopefully those guys are back. Hopefully they're okay. And uh, it was just a short term injury thing for them and things like that. So, but. Bad Boys does a great job with his pieces, and so I'm not surprised they're getting some of those wins that they're getting. I'm going to do some self-promotion here. I'm actually looking forward to this weekend because I get to not only see you, Dan, in person, but I have a feeling that Pav's going to bring out all these guys during the first point collegiate challenge in Austin. So, you know, that's what I'm hoping because I know that that Wildman has... I don't have to claim, so I don't care about the scouting report, so I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let Pap and Stanford worry about that, right? Yeah. Let's go over to Theo on this one about Penn State and their success here without their big guns all in the lineup. Sure. And I think you got to give a, you know, a ton of the credit to the coaching staff, right? Pav and his guys do a fantastic job and, you know, piggyback off of what Dan said, the depth is definitely there. That team is incredibly talented. Michael Valenzi is a guy that we recruited and and really, really liked, Uh, incredibly talented, can score, has a great arm. Um, and then Bogner Setton, I mean, these guys are are good and, and they can beat any team on any given night. So, you know, I, it'll be interesting, like like Dan was talking about how that translates if those big guys aren't out there next weekend. Um, but they've got plenty of talent in the gym and it's not surprising to see them be successful with that coaching staff. And down to Brad of UC San Diego. The, uh, the depth is immense there. And you think about last year as that team obviously didn't have the finish they were hoping for in the conference finals, but think about the practices that all those guys that are now currently playing went through all last year against that really talented team that's now back. And it just speaks to the testament of why depth is so important um, for our programs, for our teams. And, and you see it really paying off here with some of their numbers that, that we're seeing. And um, obviously Bogner's kind of keeping them nice and steady and, and really leading the way, regardless of whoever's on the court around them. Yep. And we'll let Jay have the final word on this topic. You know, I, I'm I'm just I've, I feel like I've seen these guys for the last 20 years straight. Uh, I can't wait for their final ball to drop, so I never have to see those guys again. But that being said, they're really really good. Here's here's the thing that I I've heard, and here's the thing that I see. I agree with Dan, they, with the exception of Ohio State, they played some some teams that maybe are not quite high caliber uh, programs yet, and that that's coming. Right, we're going to see that this weekend. The other thing I'm hearing is that Kerr is doing such phenomenal things on the right side. Don't be surprised if you don't see Fisher moved out to the left side when Wildman comes back as well. I, that's 
because Wildman and Fisher, I think, are going through some injuries. I don't know where they are, so I, I can't make any statements. But I find it hard to believe you're not going to find Fisher on that court somehow. And I find it hard to believe that when Wildman comes back, obviously he's going to take one of those two outside hitter positions. The two outsides I have, Valencia and, and the uh, and the other kid, I forgot his name off the top of my head, although good, uh, Valencia keeps him in system an awful lot, and the other kid is is okay. So at least they Kerr that you're referring to? Huh? Kerr? No, no. Kerr's the opposite. Uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the other outside, the foreign kid. Anyways, they keep them in system. Koval. Koval. Yeah, Koval. When you see Fisher and Hawaiian back healthy again, I think you're going to see those two guys on the left side. Fisher's that good, and he can pass that well, that that might be an even more dangerous lineup than they have right now. And this weekend, they're going to be tested, uh, and we're going to see where they stand. And hopefully those two guys are back on the court and we can you know, kind of get a better feel. But Penn State's ridiculously good this year. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, there are a bunch of undefeated teams still. I know it's early on. Some teams have five matches under the belt. Others have two. But um, what I wanted to bring up was an interesting graphic that was brought up by a, a certain per- coach's connection here. Volley Venue threw up a graphic. And I, I've been tracking the head-to-head in the conferences as closely as I can based on the data that's available. But MPSF teams are 23-1. and one against the other conferences right now. Is this a resurgence of the MPSF? And let us start with Dan. I guess we'll see at the end, won't we, if they can win a national championship. (laughs) Um, I I, I think the MPSF has some talent and they've got some deep teams. And if you want to call it a resurgence, I guess it is. But uh, I I think you've seen this cycle a little bit and uh, the Meeble won a couple championships back to back. The Big West has won some championships back to back. So yeah, so maybe it's the MPSF turns, but until they stick a ring on their finger and hang a banner, we won't know for sure, will we? You know what I mean? In terms hey, of that. you quote a Beyonce song there. <laughs> 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 Let's go over to Jay, the non-West Coaster as well. Listen, I, I agree with Dan. Uh, we'll see in a few months. Um, in terms of the MPSF caliber, it's never been down. <laughs> I mean, they're always going to be MPSF. They're always going to be good teams. Um, I wonder if we're not seeing uh, the MPSF dissolve in a few years when uh, some big some Big Ten teams decide to leave. And next thing you know, they're, they're scrambling to find some other people to come on board. I know Menlo is going to go D2 and they're going to join the MPSF. And you know, there's a couple of other small teams here and there that are looking to join. And it's not going to be the MPSF of old in a few years, but the ones that are still here, they're, they're good. And there's, there's never been a doubt. All right. Let's go to our West coast guys. I get to deal with them pretty regularly here. We'll start with uh, Brad. Yeah. The MPSF is good. That's for sure. Um, we, we saw it firsthand with USC and UCLA and both teams are super physical um, at the net, super physical offensively. And especially if they're serving in and hitting in, they're going to be tough to beat for anyone. Um, and I think that's kind of be what we're seeing over time is can these teams continue to serve at the rate they're serving and serve in like we've seen the top teams, um, you know, specifically Hawaii and Long Beach do over the course of the entire season. Um, and that'll be the true test of seeing uh, if this MPSF resurgence is back and looks pretty strong from my perspective, for sure. Well, I just want to note that the one loss that the MPSF conference has is UC Santa Barbara's 
five set thriller over USC in the Santa Barbara tournament. So got it. put that in there and jump over to Theo. Yeah, I think, uh, would you say 23 and one, Rob? Is that the stat? That is the stat. That's that's an impressive stat. Um, and I think, you know, obviously those teams are are incredibly talented. And, you know, we faced UCLA and USC and those teams are really good. And then not even to mention Stanford, BYU, Grand Canyon, who's obviously had some success this weekend. Um, I think they're definitely a conference that is as strong as they've been. You know, I'll go back to the statement I made, I think, in our pre preseason uh, podcast was we talked about UCLA. Um, I think this is probably the best UCLA team since Spraw's been there. Um, I think I'll, I'll mention that every week until uh, until they prove me wrong. Um, Spraw is a player when he is with hair or Spraw is a coach? <laughs> Spraw is a coach. Spraw is a coach. Um, and obviously they, that's, that's staying a lot because they've had some teams that have been in the final four, have been in the mix and had a shot at the championship. Um, but you know, we've seen both myself and Brad have seen them play two different lineups this year and be incredibly dominant with both. And any team that's capable of doing that is is one that's pretty impressive. So I think the MPSF is definitely uh, looking hungry and and uh, poised to uh, to make a run. But until the last match is played, we shall see. <laughs> there we go. Got to end with these. The first Dan quote to, to lead us in and end it with that same thing. That's a great uh, summary there. Um, let's go into our players of the week. And lastly, I try to just assign it to people on the fly. But how if I just say, you guys want to throw your hand up on the screen and I'll, I'll call you out and you can drop it. How about that? Sound good? We'll go with the offensive player of the week. Who's feeling the groove right now? Jay. Hickman. From Grand Canyon, kid's super high flyer, live arm, a little bit of moxie about him, which I like. I like a kid that's got a little bit of, you know, a little shimmer and a little shake. Uh, but, yeah, kid's, kid's legit. Any others on the screen there? Sutter of the week, we're going to give it to Slight. You know, he's running this offense, going into a hostile area, two wins. We've talked a lot about him on this already with what he's doing a little bit. Numbers are pretty good uh but yeah two road wins uh against two good opponents so okay there you go brad then we got a couple other offensive performances jess bianchi talk about a bionic shoulder 51 swings up at stanford uh in the five set match 26 kills and one of his biggest performances he's had so far in his career then jacob Steele in two matches had 20 kills in one air um so another impressive offensive performance there let me just let me just throw a little something out there for all you older folks out there watching this thing. <laughs> so he had 51 attempts. Is that correct, Brad? Yep. I was part of the I was in the stands because we were playing BYU the next night of Dave McKenzie's NCAA record breaking kills performance, which I think was 54, if I'm not mistaken. If you have 54 kills, imagine how many swings you have to take. And this is back in the day of old school scoring. So, yeah, Jesse, you get a you get a little bit of an award for the shoulder, but Dave McKenzie, that guy was a workhorse. Lucky his shoulder didn't fall off, Jay. That's yeah, insane. No kidding. The other offensive uh, would be uh, Chaka's, like uh, beating Ball State twice, uh, 19 kills. Hit 405, 20 points uh, the one night, and then 22 kills, hitting 581. Uh, pretty impressive. If you give Hawaii their first two wins 
uh, at home there when they're doing the banner. So, I think you got to add in Theo too over at Stanford, and not because my name is also Theo, but because uh, Theos are great. And, <laughs> the name uh, of gods, you mean? <laughs> that's exactly right. And against <laughs> against Santa Barbara, he had eleven kills, one error, hit six sixty seven. Um, had a tremendous match, and I think he definitely should be mentioned. This just in, Dave McKenzie had 198 swings yesterday. Just, just <laughs> It's still going. Well, I'm going to have to drop a name because I'm telling you, after watching the Hawaii series, and I got to get mad props to every single commentator on Spectrum and on ESPN Honolulu, Tinaishi and Davazocheva. They're outside that they picked up from Masvingo, Zimbabwe. I guess he's a transfer over from a uh, smaller school. I, I didn't get the information fully, but that kid can play. He can yes, fly, he comes out of the back row. But to have to say that name as many times they did because he was dominant on night, well, on both nights, but unfortunately, I think he got a, a cramp in the fourth set or third set of night one but he still was so productive and that is a name to watch out for. I don't know. I don't and found him, but uh, Dan, you're going to have some trouble there in the Amoeba when you go into conference play. Thanks. I think Donut's <laughs> going to be trouble period. What are we talking about? You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to our defensive player of the week. And Theo got one right away. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, going back to the Hawaii Ball State, I think there were two in the match on the 12th. Um, obviously, uh, Thiel had eight digs and a block, and then Jeunesse had nine digs and three blocks, um, you know, in a match that obviously went four sets, but two really, really great players and probably great because of their offensive abilities. Playing defense at a really, really high level it just shows how locked in those guys were and um that's some really really good volleyball anyone else owen, with rose, from, owen rose from penn state had nine block assists uh, against damon which is just impressive performance at the net all right jake i'm gonna give it to the entire ohio state squad on the court if if anybody who is young wants to watch how good defense is played grab a look at that team and learn what they do there. It's not about positioning. It's about their ability to be stopped and loaded when the contact is happening and being able to read and react quickly to go after the ball. And just sometimes they're just throwing a hand out and the ball's going up in the air. And then their second contact keeps them close to the net and they can be really aggressive on their swing. That's an impressive team to watch defensively. I'd give them a watch if I was a youngster trying to figure out how to play defense. You know, I'll throw in a, I'll throw in a little interesting tidbit there because I think if you watch Springfield and you watch the way that they play defense, right? Obviously Kevin Birch is a product of Charlie Sullivan. And I, I wonder if there's some conversation going on because the way those two teams are playing defense, it looks awfully sim similar for sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Any other defensive players of the week on the screen? Nope. We move on to the setter, setter performances. Anyone come to mind? Well, I already mentioned one. <laughs> the other one would be Bogner, um, just in the sense of like he doesn't have all his pieces and uh, he's running that team pretty efficiently at a high level in terms of what he's doing. and. Is he a fifth year or a sixth year? He's a COVID kid. I can't remember, Jay. So he's a six, right? Is he a six? Yeah. With all that, that group of guys, that was a big yeah. deal. They all came back. 
yeah, so I think he always does a really nice job uh, in terms of running that group right now. I'm going to go with Tella at uh, Team Europe, West Coast, Hawaii. Uh, the, they're, uh, his offense is humming at a pretty nice clip right now. And kid's super crafty and, and disciplined uh, and knows who to set at the right time. He's really fun to watch. Yep. And we'll go to – oh, you got one, Brad? Yeah, a little fun one. Partain uh, is uh. at seven kills as a setter and uh, they run an interesting out of system offense. They'll set him some balls. So he's uh, maximizing the beach skills and putting them to work out of system for UCLA. He's their second leading offensive uh, performer that night. He had seven kills, zero errors and on 12 attempts hit 583 and notched on 21 assists while doing that. So good stuff. And above finally, average. Yeah. <laughs> finally, Libero or Libro, depending. You say potato, I say potato. Uh, Libro of the week. Performers. Oh, we got stuff. No one likes Liberos? Oh, what's, coaches. Uh, what's, um? I, I just blanked for a second. What's Hawaii's Libero's name? Sheward. 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 He had a nice, I thought he had 17 digs one night. I thought he had a really nice night for them. Uh, I can't, I don't remember which night it was. Um, That's here. Yeah, didn't. Uh, We're going to. We're going to see the liberos start to separate themselves as the better matches come along down the line. We're, I'll be honest with you, it's early in the year and everybody's serving passes not exactly as crisp as it's going to be in a month or two. But when we start to see uh, the ability for, for liberos to take 70 mile an hour plus serves and keep everybody in system, we're going to open our eyes a little bit more. It's still early in the year for anybody like that to step out. All right, so I was going to pop this on you guys, and it's mainly for educational purposes for our viewers and listeners. But, you know, I saw a tweet come up over the weekend. In one of the matches, 19 attack errors, and uh, I believe it was thir uh, 35 34 service errors. errors, 19 attack errors. I can tell now, you. That fifty that's fifty-four total points, I believe, if on unforced errors loan in a five-set match. And um, you know, there's a school of thought, oh, why are you bombing away from the service line? And yeah, just for our listeners to hear from the coaches, what is you know, what's the benefit of going for it at the service line when you're giving up so many points? Hey, I'll I'll take this first actually, because like I could talk about Brad's match and my match. So and I can put cats <laughs> in front of me, just so you know. So Brad had, they had 23 hitting errors. We had 23 hitting errors. They had 20 serving errors. We had 19 serving errors. Now, there certainly were some blocks in there by both sides, but uh, we both could attest that it was a little bit of an ugly match in the sense of, and it wasn't all good serving errors. Like, if you're bombing away like Ohio State did when they won it in their good serving errors, it's a different philosophy. But I think when you're just missing some bad in the net, I don't think it's good. So I think it's, are you being aggressive and the ball is going in out of bounds at the end line by a few feet and you're messing a few here and there, or are you just got guys unconfident back there serving? And then when you're attacking, are you swinging into the block or are these good swings where you're messing on the edges or doing some things? So I think it depends on what you're seeing or what you're missing from that standpoint. Uh, just certainly our match was a little of both uh, and Brad would probably agree. So. Very streaky at times for, for both offensive and serving. Yeah. Listen, anybody who's listening, 
it, we've been talking about this forever because if we had a dollar for every person who goes, you know, the women don't miss that many serves. Maybe the men should be float serving more. And, you know, the women and it should be, it, it, listen, you don't understand. <laughs> if you're playing tennis and you're serving second serves to Jokovic all day, you're going to be ranked sitting on the bench. That's where your ranking is going to be. Most good offenses are hitting in a high 60s, low 70s clip on the average. Some nights better, some nights a little lower. But they're going to be killing the ball at about 70% on the average. And first ball kills, if you're in system, are even going to be a little, just a little bit lower than that, but still relatively high. I don't know about you, but there's nothing more demoralizing than putting just a ball in play and then watching some team run five guys at you at once and your blockers have no idea where to go. They thunder one down to China and everybody goes crazy. We look at each other like, well, we kept the serve in. That's not how our game is played. We need to beat them off the net. We're not trying to get aces. We're trying to get them out of system. And in order to do that, you got to be a little bit aggressive. And let's take into consideration, it's January 16th. Chill out, everybody. Mr. Hossack's Neighborhood episode one just happened. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know for sure that there is a women's volleyball coach listening to this and just absolutely pulling their hair out, right? Uh, but, but Jay couldn't be more correct, and it's the absolute truth. And if you watch our game enough, the correlation to winning very rarely is determined by the number of misters. Very rarely. Um, and you can see it in matches. There's times where teams are bombing away and kind of what J what Dan was talking about. There's a little bit of an area gray, right? And if you have a team that's bombing away and missing just slightly, there's times where they're getting tons of aces, a handful of misses. And what that leads to is the other team never really finding a rhythm, right? Never really getting those balls where they can start siding out and building confidence. Um, so serving tough is incredibly valuable. It also can be an absolute nightmare, right? It can cause you to lose matches, absolutely cause you to lose sets, but you'll see it all year long. There will be there will be teams that will miss more serves and still win sets, still win matches, um, because it only gives you a small portion of the of the reality of what happened. That's, that's a great story. point. Ohio State missed nine serves in the first set against Grand Canyon and still won. Yeah, I think there's a figure where a team, I can't remember which match I was watching, but they had commentators and said they only had eight kills in the first set, but still won the, the, the match and is because of the serving. If you're watching Joe, if anybody knows who Joe Trinzi is, he does some really amazing stat tweaking. Like he, he looks at every little part of the game and he's got this thing he calls the triangle, which is terminal serving, first ball kill and transition. And there's lots of ways to win just because that the formula isn't always the same because not every team is the same. Not everybody has the same height and the same offensive speed and the same strategy. Everybody's got different things. If you watched Ohio state when they won in 2011, they sure were not fast. They were not ginormous hitters that were just dominating going over everybody. They just consistently played the game and they made you finish points. That's how good they were at playing volleyball. That team against maybe Long Beach or Hawaii in the last couple of years, I'm not so sure that they keep up with that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying two totally different teams in terms of how they run their offense 
and now they run their defense. And it's just, it's a, uh, it's, that's the beauty of the sport. Every year is different. Every team you have is different. Yep. Yeah. And anything I think, else to add gentlemen? I think it's all comes down to a lot of philosophy, right? Cause each team's going to be a little bit different. If you're bigger and more physical and have some guys who can dig the ball, you might want to serve in the court a little bit more. If you are losing out on that physicality battle and you need to get teams off the net in order to turn points or get opportunities to dig or touches at the net, then you see some teams turning up that aggressiveness from the service line. Um, so it's, you know, and we see it here, we talk a lot about setters and a lot about offense and a little bit less about blocking and a little bit less about the libero play. Uh, and that's a testament to how good and how dynamic some of these attackers are, some of these offenses are, and, and how quick some of these setters are running their offense. So the more we're able to, as teams get them off the net, we eliminate some of those options and the game gets a little bit slower and the game gets a little bit more in control. And they're still going to kill the ball 50% of the time or more, but it helps increase our chances of turning a point or two um, each set we get to play. I think for the listeners, it's understanding point scoring, point scoring for rows and what the percentages are compared to what maybe the air rate percentages in those rows and some things like that. And if I got a guy who's point scoring at like 45 plus, that's pretty incredible. And if his air rate might be in the 20s, I can live with that all day long in terms of that. If I got a guy who's point scoring at 33 and his air rates at 35 more than his, then we got an issue. Do you know what I mean? If I got a float server who's air rating less than 10, but we're point scoring in the upper 30s to 40s. I'll take that all day in terms of that. It's just, I think there's some percentages that you have to understand as you look at the game and what's going on and not just seeing the missed serves when the game is being played uh, from that standpoint. And it could also maybe lead to a rule change in the future. I know there's been some discussion of bringing back a second serve. So if the first, serve, if the first serve is an error, like tennis, you get a second serve. Uh, and that's going to really change the dynamic of the game because the first serve now you, you thought you saw some bombs before wait do you have a free shot it's going to be crazy but what that also does that rule never happens that's never if, if the rule is to get longer rallies that is never happening don't it's ever never say happening. never don't ever everybody said there was never going to be men's beach collegiate volleyball and it's starting right. Oh, you're one of those guys who said that, by the way. I no, I was not. Barnett. <laughs> that was not me. That was Barnett. And I told Barnett, I'll pull up the episode, and you'll hear me say, Barnett, don't ever say never, because it's going to happen. And sure enough, it's happening. I've got that thing archived somewhere. Can't wait. I'm going to be drinking a glass of wine with Jay in retirement home. And he's going to pull up this clip and go, I told you. I told you there was a Bible that served in. <laughs> well, I appreciate the input because I know there are a lot of guys that are watching through Twitter feeds, social, that stuff, and you know, just tracking the data, but they're not seeing inside the game. And that's why I wanted to ask you guys because I know there's so much more, especially being I've been able to sit with a Nate Go of USA men's national team. I've known him for the longest time. And you know, his dissert or his master's thesis was breaking all this stuff down because he is a stats major. So he is throwing down these graphs and, and all these analytics. Like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, no, you know, serving aggressively is the key. So he made the case and it made sense to me based on the data. But I think that to the common person, they don't get to see that kind of stuff. So, you know, you guys give them insight, at least more on the uh, dummies for dummies, uh, hard serving for dummies stats. That's what you guys are doing. I'm not saying you guys are dummies, 
you guys are brilliant and can explain us to us like not so smart. And guys. we're not saying that the average listener is a dummy. We're just saying you're not as well versed as we are. That's all we're look, saying. Look at Jay extending the olive branch to the volley talkers. We just we don't need the Gen Z kids coming after us. Well, oh, my feelings are hurt. He said I was a dummy. No, we didn't say you were a dummy. We did not say we love you. We want you. Provost at georgemason.edu. TJ Murray, you're great. <laughs> Well, let's jump on to our last segment here. And that's always, what are you guys watching in week three? I know you're going to be coaching, but you know, what were the ones you'll be watching if you could be watching fully? And let's uh, pick uh, two of them, even more. Let's, uh, let's, let's have a good discussion here. Uh, we'll start with Brad. I'm excited to see Princeton Pep. I think it's actually tonight. Um, but both those teams, it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of come together. Princeton obviously played really good at stretches against UCLA. Um, so that's going to be a fun one that I'm excited to see. And it looks like Pepperdine's getting gotten Jacob Steele back and seeing how he works in with the offense with Jasper is going to be really enticing with Bryce Dvorak at the helm. Anything else for you, Brad? Just that one, huh? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of other ones. I was trying to save some, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep knocking some off. But USC, UCI. Add one more on there. Let's see. USC, UCI is another good one. That'll be fun to watch. I think both teams have the ability to play some really high level volleyball and seeing how it comes together for all of them early on at the year is uh, is going to be entertaining. Yeah, I'm going to jump on that one because I will be working that one on ESPN Plus. So there's the plug. But what's more amazing is seeing how well Dylan Klein is producing offensively for the Trojans as a freshman. And that guy was a man beast already in high school. Um, he's damaging gyms, but seeing him like step right up into it in his first season is pretty amazing. So I'm going to shut up from there. We'll go over to Jay. What are you watching this week? We've got Long Beach State coming into our gym this week, so I'm excited to see how our guys progress after this weekend. But I'm going to mention two that I'm really going to be looking at. I want to see what NJIT does against Loyola and PFW. Uh, and Theo mentioned earlier about them being a good team, and they are a very good team of veterans, and they, they've been playing together for a while. I think they hiccuped a little bit at McKenzie and Lindawood. Both very good teams. But I think NJIT is better than them, and I think they didn't play the well they wanted to. So I'm excited to see what they do against Loyola and them. But here's one that nobody's going to talk about. CSUN versus the Masters. Here's why it's going to be really good. The Masters is a good team. If you don't know who they are, Jared Goldberg is the coach. He was over at Harvard for a while, and his dad's Barry Goldberg, an American. The kid knows how to recruit, and the kid knows how to coach. But they got eight scholarships and you want to see what eight scholarships can do watch because they've got a kid that transferred from grand canyon who beats the about this out of that ball and northridge is going to have their hands full i'm watching that one <laughs> i love it how about you thea what are you watching yeah i appreciate that jay because i know we have our hands full and it's going to be uh <laughs> it's going to be a good match for us um i think the two that are probably most exciting stanford penn state I think that's going to be a great matchup uh, to see those two go at it. Um, and then you've got Harvard and Ball State. I think that'll be a really interesting matchup, too. Haven't seen a ton of Harvard this year. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what they bring. And obviously, we know that Ball State's capable, but coming off of two losses, are they able to rebound and get right back to it? Be interesting. All right. Over to Dan. Well, I'm going to pick up a few here. So Quincy opens up their season uh, and they haven't played yet. So Quincy plays King and Lincoln Memorial. So we'll see what uh, K 
Karen's doing down there. And if you don't know who Karen is, she's uh, certainly was a phenomenal player herself. Uh, she has a second year with that group. And so we'll see kind of how those guys do a little bit. You got Santa Barbara versus UCLA. How does Santa Barbara come off? They've had a little bit of a rough stretch on a couple matches or they bounce back against a talented UCLA team. And we talked about Pep on one match, but the other match for Pep is Penn State. Uh, you know, and so uh, I think this this first point challenge in Texas that we're fortunate enough to be a part of, uh, I think there's going to be some really good volleyball down there. And it's run in conjunction with the boys um, uh, event down in Austin, ran by Glenn and those guys and sponsored the by Southwest Challenger, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And then first point and way and all those guys are collaborating. So I'm excited to be a part of that. Event and it should be some really good volleyball uh, with four good teams. So. Yep. Um, with that, I always like to end our segments on light pieces, and we'll see how this goes here. But as perusing social media posts and try and share screens here and all that good stuff, and see how it works. Um, just hope it works. <laughs> uh, first of all, let's go here and ask. Oh well, I, I'm not. I'm going to take the chance here. Dan, you had this cool moment this week. Um, if I can get the image up and I can give you the exact description, but you signed a player this week, a Carter Torpedo Johnson. Yeah. Um, it's a, uh, you know, be sure to check out Lewis men's VB on Instagram, but you can see the post of the announcement. I just thought it was super cool, but can you uh, share with our viewers and listeners what that was? So team impact is the organization uh, and they link kids with uh, sports teams. Uh, my wife's team did it in their season and they got linked up with a player that uh, might have some challenges. Um, and we were lucky enough to get uh, linked up with Carter uh, uh, and our team and he is number 27. Uh, and so it's been fantastic to have him at the last couple of games and uh, be a part of our group and team. And uh, we're really excited. He's going to be a part of us for the next couple of years and a uh, super great young man. His family's great. So uh, I think Brad got to meet him as well in our game. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's an opportunity to, to to share the culture of our program with with a young man, and uh, it's been exciting. That's a cool organization that does really cool things, and kudos to Dan and his program for being a part of that. Even more kudos to the name Torpedo. How cool is that? Dude. Man. That is really awesome. Torpedo. That is big-time stuff right there, Dan. Kudos. Well, one more item that I'd like to share that is uh, this one here. And I'm like trying to figure out if Theo ages because here we go. I think you guys see that. I saw this come up on my story. I'm like, whoa, Theo, do you, I mean, are you in your, your CSUN uniform there? Or what's going on there? That is, that is, uh, that is my senior year uh, as a player. And fast forwarding 13 years later, two kids being married. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I, you know, I definitely age, Rob. I definitely age, but I got to give the credit to <laughs> where, my wife. Like, where are you aging? Like, how are you, what are you drinking in the morning? Like, can I have some? Like, yeah, what's your secret? What's it's, yeah. it's, it's the glass of water with two slices of lemons every day at 9 30. That's the key, guys. <laughs> The key is that you're part of the Illuminati. That's <laughs> it's all good stuff, though. I mean, there's good stuff going on in your programs and in lives of the coaches, not just the athletes, but um, just want to definitely get that out there because I thought it was super cool, especially uh, 
you know, I, I know there's a ton of stuff I'm missing, but at least the ones that catch my eye, I want to throw up here. Hey, so I got a plug for a coach on here, which I thought was a really cool thing if you're not paying attention. So Jay and his wife, which were both awesome, had the guys cook. They had to cook and teach them how to cook over at their house. I thought that was a really cool thing that he did with his team and uh, having those guys learn how to prepare some of their own meals, which I think is a lost skill with some of our guys coming in these days. But Jay, just wanted to shout out to you and your wife. Sorry, I said hi, but that was pretty neat. So, what was the best meal, Jay? What was that? What was the best meal? So we uh, – we were going to have our team dinner prior to our first match of the year. And, and I've been talking about this for a while of having my guys learn how to do certain skills, whether it's changing a tire or, you know, learning how to cook or whatever the case is. And my wife and I said, Hey, let's, let's put together the menu. And we said, okay, it's a lot of work to do for us. And she goes, she came up with it. She goes, why don't we have the guys do it? So uh, we had them all break up into stations and learn how to do different aspects of the dinner. We did a, pasta with marinara and meatballs homemade meatballs we had homemade caesar dressing and homemade salads and homemade bread all this cool stuff and you know the cool thing was is is i thought it was going to be kind of rudimentary for some of these guys like they would just be on there and just going yeah coach we know what we're doing already and it would have been done i was pretty surprised at, at at some of the i don't want to say this badly the lack of skill but how much they really didn't know to do basic stuff and so we're going to continue that. I think we're going to do it throughout the year. And, uh, and I, and I thought it was a really, really cool thing. Thanks for the shout out, Dan. Appreciate that. So all of you going to the national championships, stay at the Hossack house, Stephanie White <laughs> will teach you how to cook and cook you some good meals. Hotel Hossack is already getting full to the brim with people sleeping on the floor. That's how many people we got. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, a great episode number two with our uh, week two recap and week three preview. That's Jay Hossack and George Mason. Theo Edwards of Kelsey Northridge, Dan Friend of Lewis, and Brad Rostratter of UC San Diego. Good luck, gentlemen, and I appreciate your time this week, and as you all, our listeners and viewers. Thanks. See ya. Thanks, guys. See you Thank next you. time. Thanks for listening to College Volleyball Weekly. Be sure to follow Rob Espero at the Rob on the Mic on Instagram and at Rob on the Mic on Twitter.